he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's your God voice, Evan? That's the Lord? You're going to give me that? Give the people what they subscribe to. Okay, fine. (laughs) Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast, where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. is evan and i'm scott and we are two ex-church membership graduates yes we are i'm laughing because we tried to record this earlier but my add brain kept going to like six different subjects that's right we could not get off the ground um scott this is an hour and 15 minutes into our schedule oh my god and you the listener are getting the final take oh my god we're both losing our minds this morning. So we've, gonna we've had like, the best quality. We've had 45 minutes of internet issues, and then Evan's <laughs> brain was just like, you know what? I want to go over here. <laughs> so, Scott, did you ever do any sort of membership class? A question I've asked you before, but now <laughs> the listeners will hear for the first time. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I have. And I've been, <laughs> I've been on both sides of this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm giving the exact same anecdote. <laughs> Perfect. But I'll summarize. But I don't quite remember being a part of them. Um, I don't think we necessarily had like a membership class as kids. That was just basically vacation Bible school was your membership class. Um, but I led them as an adult, and I just I remember him feeling like employee onboarding, like just going through the, the legal documents of the church beliefs. So really boring. I don't think anybody really wanted to be there. No, <laughs> that was part of no, it. No one, no one gives a shit about membership, class. but we had to, because that was like part of running the church was, and this is just, you know, some inside baseball for everybody. But when you're on pastoral staff, you have to like have people, if they're going to become like a Southern Baptist, cause that's where we got our funding from. Uh, they have to like agree to that statement of faith. You can't just like have them, be called members and they don't necessarily agree with everything. So there's this, it's kind of weird because you don't see it in other places, but I feel like it's a very uh, evangelical thing. Like hang up. I know like Catholics have a whole ordeal on like membership. You got to like go to all these classes and you get baptized and blah, blah, do their first communion and all that jazz. So there's, this is a religion thing in general, but with Southern Baptists in particular, you have to like sign a huge packet of like beliefs and then you get your card. Yeah. There's no card, but I, I wish went, it was a card. 
I went through confirmation uh, at a Methodist oh. church. So that happens oh. around like fifth or sixth grade. Um, and my buddy was like, you should do confirmation. It's real fun. And it wasn't. Um, <laughs> it's just like a kid's workbook about Jesus yeah. was all that it was. And I was bored out of my mind. But you go through it. It is kind of special because you go through it with like the pastor or the reverend or whatever. And at that point, yeah. like the reverend's just kind of this like principle of church in your brain, you know, like, local celebrity. Yeah, or just <laughs> you know, they're just like, oh, did I like? Because in Sunday school, it's just like you you behave, or I will get the pastor in here. It yeah. seemed like a real big threat, and then you realize like later in life, like what the hell were they going to do? <laughs> you know, like, why were, why were they being scary? Um, but that was just kind of like a class we went to, like, it was, uh, every week uh, for, like, six yeah. weeks. And then dang, we got asked, like, all right, do you believe this? Do you believe in God the Father and then this? That? Basically, the Nicene creator, the Apostles' Creed, and we'd be yeah. like, Yes, peace be with you. I say some kind of like scripted thing back, um, and we get little chinks, chink, little droplets of water on our head. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I this is I such honestly, a different upbringing to mine. Yeah, I honestly like that more as like a um, from a standpoint of making sure someone knows what the hell they're doing. But with it, there's like a lot more of a social like indoctrination that's kind of happening to you. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, you're kind of getting a little bit more. You, 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 you're going through a little bit of a class that takes. Which, like, as an adult, as an adult, I would never go through confirmation. I'd be like, no, I'm not going to take six weeks to go through. Yeah, no. No. Well, it feels like school to kids, and yeah. like they're taught to go to school. Mm-hmm. So you trust adults, like, oh, okay, yeah, we're supposed to go to school, but then they put yeah. you in this class and people tell you things like it's the gospel truth and as a kid you're you just take it verbatim yeah uh so it doesn't quite feel i can understand why it has occurred and it's obviously important people's faith they want to just share that with their kids but um i think it it doesn't produce the results that people think it does i think people think like oh my kid comes out of this class and they'll have a genuine belief it's like no they just most time they just agree just to you know go through the motions yeah, they just know that this they can't drive themselves anywhere. Yeah, where are they gonna go? <laughs> like you know, like this, like you're driving them to confirmation. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's interesting that you had Methodist upbringing because that's mm. very much like I mean, most of my family is Catholic, so I'm used to the Catholic confirmation process. Yeah, it sounds similar. It's not that uh, different. Yeah, Methodists yeah. are like Methodists are uh, Catholics but Protestant. The caffeine-free Catholic. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so um, I remember I was uh, I was at this, like, big, like, multi-faith thing uh, in University of Alabama, and I walked up to these uh, Episcopalians, and uh, I was Episcopalians. like, I was like, what is Episcopalian? Like, tell me about it. And he was like, all right, so take the Church of England. I was like, right. And he was like, move it to America. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and then minor altercation around 1776. And I was like, gotcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> minor altercation. <laughs> that, 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 that makes it makes more sense to me. He's like, 
that's what we are. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sounds great. So there's so many flavors. Um, uh, has, has I'm curious to, to kind of get into today's icebreaker. Part of the membership class that we taught, and that I, I remember being a part of, uh, you had to discuss like the end times or like what what did you think uh, about the yeah, like the rapture or like the second coming of Christ or just the end of the world in general, which is kind of funny to think about what other group goes, what do you think is going to happen at the end of time? And you have to be right about it or else you can't uh, join the club. <laughs> I know, like, it, which like no one knows. Um, <laughs> I believed any sort of end of the world thing that happened, like that was shown yeah. to me as a kid. Like nobody like sat down and was like, and I could not even tell you what would happen. I, I, I can't articulate. I think revelation and the combination of eschatological things in the Bible that are interpreted, I don't think any Christian can sit down and tell you beat by beat what will happen. Yeah, no. I thought it would be like the Trump will sound. There's four horsemen, the Battle of Armageddon, which is... Uh, maybe in Israel um, and uh, the Antichrist, which I don't think is actually mentioned in Revelation at all, uh, if my memory serves, but someone else. I can can't quite I think remember. That, I think that's just a fun little left behind thing. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, so you have all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all those things happening, and there's, and even within that, you have uh, premillennial, amillennial, and postmillennial. Yes, all that uh, interpretations argument, um, yeah. of uh, revelation and the coming of Christ. Um, and uh, I can't remember which one is which. Um, I used what did to- you think was really going to happen, though? Like, what what was your what you thought? Okay, maybe out of all this noise, this one's probably going to happen. Like, we're going to see this thing go down. I, like in general terms, like I do you think people are going to zoom up to heaven, or are they going to their clothes be left behind? I lived in a constant fear that, like, I would wake up one day and my parents would be in heaven and I would not. Be. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Same. I and, I was terrified that I would miss the rapture. All and the time I as well. I mentioned it one time, and my brother very wisely was just like, you know, the rapture is nowhere in the Bible. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, it's not mentioned anywhere. He's like, it's interpreted for sure, like, yeah. by certain things, but it's not explicitly said, you know, these people are going to be just, like, snatched up out of nowhere, you know. Um, and I could be, like, a little bit wrong on that, but that did at least put my mind at ease that, like, we weren't going to get, like, magically snatched up, you know. There's going to be at least, like, there's going to be some big to-do before then. Because I think that's the thing is that the idea of just like you're at work or like someone's driving an airplane and then all of a sudden the pilot's gone, you know? Yeah, <laughs> or, that's left behind was like yeah, they had to land that, the plane. That, that's like not there would be a huge like, all right, God would give like at least like a trigger warning and be like, all right, a bunch of you are about to disappear. Just heads up. Which. I don't, my thought was, you know, the way it was presented to me was 
people would get raptured, like so, which would you know, they would just disappear. Their clothes would get left behind, and they would just zoom up to heaven. And naked all the sinners, as all get out. <laughs> naked as hell. And you just zoom up to heaven. Uh, but I always thought, wouldn't that be the best way for everyone to get saved? Like, if I saw that everyone just fucking disappeared magically, I think I would go, holy crap, like, God's real. I'll believe again. Yeah. But that's the whole point of Left Behind is like there's there would still be people like, ah, I don't believe in this Jesus crook. Not none of that. <laughs> like it never made sense to me as a kid. I thought, yeah, of course, once everyone gets raptured, then why wouldn't people believe and everyone gets, you know, everyone wins at the end. Yeah. But uh But even in the digital age now in the in the quote unquote information age that we live in, like I think even if all of that would actually happen i do think you would have people like oh yeah, yeah. that would Today. be like well no they just they're, they're hiding from us <laughs> you know like <laughs> no you see they they've got some bunkers or something it's yeah, mirrors the, smoking mirrors yeah small smoking mirrors you know i was listening to q the other day oh my and... god <laughs> <laughs> it would be uh yeah there are certainly people who still deny it. They'd be like, eh, three million people just got up and zoomed away. They probably went to Canada or something. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, no. They're just hiding. I saw a couple of trucks leave. <laughs> Gosh. But I just, end time stuff, to your point, I was scared as a kid. I, I remember one time I was home from school, and I think there's like a schedule change, and my parents just didn't tell me about something. I think they were taking my brother to some after school event and I didn't get the word. So no one came home for like a couple hours. And I remember looking outside in my little 10 year old brain. I didn't see my neighbors outside. My parents weren't home. There's no cars. And I thought that's it. They I've been left behind. I've been raptured. Me and Kirk Cameron are here (laughs) together. Save the world. Save the world. I ate those those books and that that movie up though as a kid i mean i never read them i never read i read them. the first couple of them and i no. was like hooked on end time stuff as a kid i thought i wanted to know what was going down people at my church would tell me what was going to happen uh yeah i mean it was it, it always felt scary like you never knew because that was the thing is they'd be like well if you know then you don't know so yeah it was i a surprise yeah, that was the other thing is I, I always kept hearing like, I think the funny thing that I kept hearing was that no one knows the time and place that Jesus would come back. That's, you know, in the scriptures. And so I always did that as a funny, like whenever somebody would say that they did, I'd be like, well, it's for sure not that now. Like, <laughs> like whenever like some yeah. like prophet is like, he's coming back this day and this time. And I'm like, like, well, definitely not that day. <laughs> I, I, Jesus is up there just like, all right, can't come back that day then. He's just crossing off days in the calendar. Like, ah, well, they said that day now. So yeah. I was I really looking forward kid. to coming to earth. <laughs> <laughs> that Saturday was wide open for me, but now I can't go. Now I'm booked solid for another two months. <laughs> Which in Earth years is two thousand years. Yes, <laughs> that was the other argument. Was people would go, well, why didn't he come back already? Like clearly Jesus isn't coming back. It's been two thousand years, and the argument was always, well, in the Bible it says that a thousand days in heaven is like a minute on Earth, and blah blah blah. So to Jesus, 
he's only been gone the, for a couple or yeah, I mean, a thousand. <laughs> I think that's thousand days on earth would be a couple minutes in heaven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like <laughs> to Jesus, he's only been gone for a couple minutes to what he thinks. So he'll be back any second. I'm like, but if he knows this conversion rate, he knows <laughs> we've been waiting a long ass time for him. Like he should know. Why is he getting an extra cup of coffee up there? Like, let's go. Come back. Never made he, sense. He just went for a pee. He's <laughs> taking a long piss. He's taking a long piss, and then he gets back, and he's like, oh, shit, everything's different. <laughs> they got computers now? Oh. I, I waited way too long. I'm sorry. I go to check the mail. I come back, and they got MTV. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this Charles Manson guy, and why does he say he's me? Why does he say he's me? Oh, boy. All right. Well, speaking of church membership, we're going to be talking about the original church. The OG church. And the original church member. The church bad boy. The church bad boy. We are talking about Saul. Well, you may know him as Paul. And uh, we're going to be talking about Saul persecuting Christians uh, and his... We're not necessarily going to be talking about Fun. that. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> never mind. We're not actually talking about that. We're talking about his conversion. So at this time, yes. Saul is going around. He's basically just kind of like rounding up Christians, persecuting them. There was the uh, uh, the condemnation of Stephen, not before, uh, a little bit beforehand, where Stephen just gets stoned. Um, nice. Yeah, not, <laughs> not in the not in the fun way. Um, <laughs> So starting in Acts 9, uh, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, which is what you got to kind of remember, like Christianity was like it was a sect of Judaism at this point. They had a cool rebranding at this point. Yeah. Yeah, the way. that was yeah, that was their uh, Wednesday night name, the way. Yeah, the the watering hole. Yeah, um, the well. Uh, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus. A light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, falling to the ground. Not being able to see for three days is that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> Can't confirm. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, do you think that would suck? I think it would suck. Yeah, absolutely, it would stink. Yeah. I love being able to see. <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! <laughs> Here I am, Lord, he said. <laughs> it's when your face distorts. <laughs> Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him. To the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so he can remake, he can regain his <laughs> sight. Lord, Ananias answered. <laughs> I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Fucking go! <laughs> For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Amazing. So Ananias left and entered the house. Then he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, you were trapped. I wonder if he was like, does it sound like Gilbert Gottfried? You're just checking to make sure yeah. it's the same God. We heard um, a voice and uh, it's pretty <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> pretty, pretty Iago. Um, sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Wow. That, Incredible. Then Saul goes to the disciples. He lives with the disciples for a few days, learns their deal, learns what they're about, um, and then starts uh, preaching the gospel um, all throughout uh, that part of the world. You know, boy, the Bible part, the Bible. Um, Yeah, Scott, we we talked about this a little bit beforehand uh, because you knew this as the Saul Paul conversion story. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, And I made a point of clarification that the Saul Paul thing technically isn't true. Yeah, I I was uh, misremembered. Yeah. This whole so um, the, the uh, Mandela effect. Yeah, uh, essentially yeah. is is kind of what happens to folks is it's a Mandela effect because people call this a Saul Paul conversion story, but at no point does Saul ever say, "All right, I'm going to be called Paul from now on." Yeah, there's no name badge change. They don't go, "All right, <clears throat> fill out your ID form. Nope. We need a Social Security and a birth certificate, and you get a new one." Paul was a Roman citizen. And he was also born to a uh, Jewish family. And so he had two names. One was Saul and one was Paul. Whenever he was around uh, people of the Jewish faith, he went by Saul. Whenever he was around Gentiles, he went by Paul. Since he spent the majority of his time in Acts around Gentiles, and since he wrote a lot to Gentile churches, he went by Paul a lot, or we know of him as Paul the a lot. cooler name. His- but his time spent persecuting Christians since that was, since he was engaging with the Jewish uh, community. Um, that's a light way to say Pharisees. Um, <laughs> uh, he's referred to as Saul uh, in those times. So that's a point of clarification because the Saul-Paul conversion isn't, and it's used as a an allusion to someone who has such a dark past or is such a they're, they're going they're doing so much evil and then all of a sudden they just kind of drop everything and just start following Jesus. Mm. That's the definition of a Saul Paul. Yeah, I completely misremember because I thought at some point there was a verse of like <laughs> the voice in heaven saying, "Like you are now." Or- you are now Paul. You're That's now Paul. <laughs> Rise. Which it isn't that uncommon for like Jesus. Like Jesus told Peter, "Is like I don't like your name, Simon." <laughs> mm. 
I do not like that name. Change I it. I do not like now, it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh, hi, Mark. It's not hot enough. Change your name. It's not... I refuse to be around you. And Peter, you are now Rock of Church. My, <laughs> Peter, my... You'll be called The Rock now. You'll be called The Rock now. How is your sex life, Peter? My, my Jesus is Tommy Wiseau from The Room. <laughs> God. You're tearing me apart. You're tearing me <laughs> apart, Lisa. Um... Scott, what, how were you initially told this story about how, like, what was the original exegesis of the Saul Paul? Um, like, if you, if, like, separating, and maybe we shouldn't have read it beforehand, but, like, tell me the story without thinking of the verses. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, I just remember it was always framed that he was such a bad dude before the conversion. Which he was. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. a bad dude, badass. Uh, I recall we would have little sketches in church, specifically like children's church. Mm. I remember somebody's dad performed <clears throat> this piece, this this little number. I think there's a soft shoe number in the middle too. Like uh, <laughs> now I am Paul. Now I am Paul. <laughs> Why is everything my friend like a Mel Brooks? I don't production. know. It's like a cane comes out of nowhere and rips him off the stage. <laughs> I can't help it, but they would do these like little plays. I just remember this. He like had Roman soldier gear on and he was all, you know, mean mugging the kids. And then he would drop to his knees and a voice from heaven would come and soften his heart. And suddenly he went from mass murdering Christians to being part of the club and being the most influential person in the new testament you could argue um so that's that's why it was always framed with just basically the power of the of god being able to you know mold the hardest of hearts to yeah uh you know for his own purposes and i think it was always taught that you should never be surprised who's gonna who god's gonna use i think it was always like well like don't be mean to that person like because god can use anybody even like bullies <laughs> so uh, and in the context part, you know, he loses his context at the end of the story and can see. Yeah. So uh, that's what I remember. Did you have a different interpretation though as a kid? Mine was always that there was a donkey involved and he fell off of it. Oh. And I'm not seeing that there's a donkey here. Like I, I remember just maybe yeah. like Southern Baptist pastors were just always like, and he fell off his donkey. <laughs> it's funny because you pitched this story as, uh, Paul falling off his donkey, and I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I was like, I think he's talking about the conversion. Yeah. So we both had a little bit of a Mandela effect with the story. Yeah. Um, I I want to know what the angels in heaven were doing, because the theology here uh, for a lot of Christians is that all of a sudden people can get into heaven when they die. Beforehand, I guess, like, Abraham and all of them were just in, I don't know, a, a an eternal waiting room, maybe. Just some old magazines laying around. Yeah, and then when Jesus dies, they get justified and they go to heaven. That's yeah. that's the thing. And I came across this uh, TikTok uh, or this uh, reel that uh, was this pastor who's doing a sermon. It later had kind of a more preachy point to it, but he was just like. I want to know what happened when that, because the first person to die 
with faith in Jesus Christ, if you remember, is the thief on the cross. And so I'm one, and so he's just like, I want to know what that conversation was like. He gets up to heaven, and the angels are like, "What are you doing here?" And he's I, like, "I don't know. I have a coupon. <laughs> I have no idea." And they're like, "Okay, well, like, explain to me like the justification of you know faith, but not by works." And he's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> like, um, yeah, but like. It's uh, and so we're kind of in this new age of the church and religion and Christianity at this point. Um, we're like, I like to think the angels were just kind of like sitting up in heaven, and now this is like, all right, we need to make space for people. They're coming. We need to make sure we set up the spread. Yeah, they were uh, waiting for all the. They were probably thinking, oh, we're gonna get all the. Uh, titans of faith initially once crisis you know finish his work and then they get thief number two from the <laughs> thief cast. number two and they're like huh <laughs> he just goes immediately to craft services no, no. oh, oh there's cheese this is this isn't what we thought would happen uh yeah the theology like it's so screwy for me between like the past people you know uh of, of the Jewish tradition before Christ and what happened to them after they died. What about people who died during, cause someone had to have a heart attack during the crucifixion or something. So like maybe someone else died in that little gap window of when, or what about the people that died when Christ was still dead, you know, before he rose on, you know, Easter no Sunday? one, no one died in those three days in history. <laughs> not a Just, single soul, not a single person tripped on the farm or, yeah. you know, choked on a, Chicken bone. <laughs> so. Though I think technically Judas dies in that time frame. Oh. He gets sent to the evil waiting room. Yeah. I think according to, I don't know according to scripture, but at least according to uh, Christian to, Christian tradition, he dies in that time frame. Hmm. Or no, I think he dies before. I think he dies before. Um, but yeah, like it's, that's always, that's that lands in one of those uh, weird wiggle rooms of um okay who gets it into heaven and who does not yeah you know um do people who have never heard about jesus do they get to go into heaven if they just live a good life um that's always a big question yeah and so does which means like uh if that's true missionary work is the most dangerous thing to yep. a soul that you can do. I thought about that as a kid and still today all the time, how if people could get into heaven with less information than what they're working with. Uh, so like if all I have to do is just believe in a creator and put my faith in something other than myself, that seems like an easier loophole than the membership class that I had to give people <laughs> at our church of like, do you believe this is how the earth was created? Do you believe this is how the Bible is formed? Do you believe that, uh, you know, Christ's death was atoned for your sins and then blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's all these like hoops you got to jump through to be a evangelical, but then the amount of criterium you need to just get to heaven, what it never made sense to me. I was like, why are we bickering so much about, 
what we believe in Christ, if all it takes is just a little bit of like, yeah. I believe that the sun is, you know, God. I, know. <laughs> I don't know. It seems so. It's like you said, it's like missionary work to go and pass out Bibles and then hold them accountable uh, seemed counterproductive to what they could be doing with their time. Yeah. All of a sudden it gives that person more responsibility. Yeah, exactly. That they, that they weren't aware of or that they didn't need beforehand. It's giving them a reason to deny the faith, which yeah. then in that moment, once they do deny the faith, they're written off forever. So yeah. you're you're giving them a 50-50 choice of yes or no versus a potentially, what was it called? The uh, common grace, I think is what they would say in theology classes of like, <clears throat> God would give out common grace to people, which included uh, a faith in him that was very basic yeah other things of common grace was like you know that he would just be good to people <laughs> yeah i i always understood common grace as um you know that it, it basically just general general generosity by god to people who don't believe in him yet yeah just the nice um, things that happen to people even so, non-believers yeah exactly that's the definition of common grace which is a very lukewarm way of defining that like good things can happen to bad people. Yeah. It, it gets into a whole other conversation about the control that God has on society and free will, uh, which I would love to talk about at some point I could dive into that, but Mm. um, yeah, in this story, it's, it's interesting that he gives, so he takes like the worst person, you know, the most, uh, you know, the one that's antag- antagonizing God's people the most, and he's converting them. So it's kind of like a supposed to be a flex story of like, well, God can change any heart. You know, it's kind of like Pharaoh. Uh, but the interesting part with me, just similar like to Pharaoh's story, is that why did he allow him to do these things in the first place? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, in the in this Exodus story, why did he harden Pharaoh's heart to begin with? It even says God hardens his heart. And the same thing with Saul. It's like, well, why? Why do you allow him to get to such a level? Before? Why didn't he have his conversion a little bit earlier and save some people? You know, because why? free will, Scott. Oh, free will, of course. <laughs> so it all gets a little dicey. So yeah. I, I think it's it's a story that you know sticks out for a lot of folks, uh, for whether or not Paul actually had a blinding experience on the road to Damascus, that's something that only history knows, you know, only Paul and the Lord know that one mm-hmm. <laughs> or just Paul. Um, I always think, I always thought the scale thing was interesting though. Yeah. What do you, why, what do you think that means? Why, why do you think I, I actually, if you are reading the test and if you are believing the Bible, hundred percent. That means that he grew scales over his eyes, like Yum. snake skin. My ESV study Bible says this physical event was also a symbol that Saul's spiritual blindness has been overcome, and he could now see and understand the truth. Uh, so it just says, yeah, it was a symbol. Of okay, spiritual so reality. let's let's it stop doesn't here. Doesn't even really give an explanation. <laughs> let's let's stop here. Why why all of a sudden after Acts do we no longer have physical allegories uh, in the world today uh, to spiritual allegories? Why are there no like 
It'd be nice, yeah. Yeah. Why, if I am not believing enough, why am I, like, I need glasses because I just can't see and I never could see. I stared at the sun too long when I was a kid because I was an idiot. Um, <sighs> but, like, I don't know if that was necessarily a reflection of my faith in God. You stared what? at the sun as a kid. I did. I was a moron. Um, but like, why? Why is this kind of like knocking off uh, the horse or falling down in the road to Damascus? Why is this not having to like Vladimir Putin? I wish we had a Vladimir Putin conversion story. He just falls off a bear. Vladimir, <laughs> get down from that bear. No, no, hold on. It would be, Vladimir, Vladimir, get over that. Get over that. Um, um, that's a good point, though. Like, I always felt, and people have uh, attributed to, well, you know, Jesus said that blessed are those that, you know, do not see, like we talked about Doubting Tom, like, who do not see but still yet believe. So we get extra blessing for believing without having all this extra fluff. And I'm like, but yeah, the fluff I don't, is nice. I want some fluff. Give me yeah, a little I bit don't, of the fluff. I don't, I don't think so because Paul later heals a person. Like, just touches them. Yeah. I'm not even asking for that much. Like, I remember, like, being a kid, I was just like, I'm not saying that I need a whole conversion experience, like the deluxe package, but maybe just, like, drop a note or, you know, call me <laughs> something. Like, I was just so tired of, like, I mean, were you a kid? Did you question your conversion all the time constantly like were you like am i actually saved like if the rapture happened or if this if because, i died will i actually go to heaven yeah because people would go you have to know that you know that you know yeah and i would be like well i know that i know but maybe i don't know that i know that i know for real i remember as a kid i would be constantly worried like okay if i die am i 100 percent sure because they they say that you should just know which is always the reason like well you just know in your heart that you have that he you know, he's in there. You should know that Jesus is inside of you. And I'd be like, what, what, t- like, is my temperature different? Should I hear a voice? Should I uh, feel like there's something, you know, talking to me inside? Like I had never felt anything. So I always was questioning, maybe I don't have this thing. And I think that's an unfair interpretation of the scripture as is, because if you are, if you believe that grace covers all sin, then it should yeah. cover doubt as well. You would think that's the one they say unforgivable sin is the doubt. Is, yeah, it was the. Uh, no, I don't yeah. think doubt is unforgivable. Oh, yes. Galatians. Unforgivable is like blasphemy. Well, that's what they say is blasphemy of the spirit. That's what the word is. So they say that the one unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So if you I remember this as a kid because they preached a sermon on it and there's like basically someone told me, yeah, you just can't like tell God you can't curse God or else it's unforgivable. Yeah. And I always thought that was just being like, ah, Jesus Christ. So you thought <laughs> just cursing in general was unforgivable compared to denying God. Uh, <laughs> like well, people I, that just said, God damn it would go straight to hell. I, at first I thought it was that. And then I realized that was a little bit silly. <laughs> um, and I thought that uh, denying Jesus outright denial. Yeah. Was the unforgivable sin. And but that is not the same as doubting your personal salvation. 
Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Not having doubt is, yeah, not free, but someone who says, I've been shown the the reasons to believe and I choose not to. Yeah. That that is the ultimate unforgivable sin. Uh but I was worried about that because I would think, am I like, did I say something or maybe I haven't accepted something that I should accept? And maybe God knows that or like maybe God knows that deep down I am struggling with this and that I don't have enough faith. Yeah. You know, I would think about that stuff. Uh so I think with these kinds of stories with conversion, yeah, it would have been nice if I had scales fall out of my eyes. I, I wish that so much of like, oh, if I, I could just have my door open. I mean, the amount of times, Evan, as a kid and through high school and college, I even did this like a couple of years ago. I think right as I was <laughs> stepping away from it, I was like, all right, I know I'm not supposed to do this, God, but here's an ultimatum. If something weird happens in my house <laughs> between this time and this time, I'm yours. You you have me no matter what. And nothing ever happened. <laughs> so, maybe maybe it was weird that nothing happened. Maybe. Never. Maybe. But I I don't know. I always but I always chalked it up to, well, I'm not supposed to test God, so he's just not he's not playing along cuz I'm he knows I'm testing him. Yeah. So it's always a lose-lose, but my rant is over. Any final thoughts on this on this verse, Evan? Spill uh, the beans. I, I I don't have a heck of a lot with this verse. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Other than I think the snake thing is weird. The snake eyes. Um, yeah. And uh, it. I mean, Paul is definitely the most one of the more interesting characters in the New Testament to think about because he had such a checkered past with Christians. And I think it's supposed to speak volumes to Christianity as an empathetic religion when a persecutor mm. comes along and admits their wrongs. Um, I think that is uh, huge um, yeah. and is, you know, maybe misunderstood um, nowadays. But, um, I mean, very famous and very famously misquoted yeah, Conversion totally story. misremembered yeah. by both of us. And yeah. we know the Bible more than anybody else on Earth. So yeah, We do. Yep. Come, <laughs> come at me, N.T., right? <laughs> That's right. So come on the show. We'll be glad, we'd be glad to have you. Yes, we'd love to. Yes. yes. Um, what, what about your final thoughts? Any any final musings? My musings. Um, I just still think about the like the point you made about the the mir- the miraculous conversions at this time of the church and I remember being told that was a thing for the early church because they needed the signs because it was so it was in its infant stages so it had to have that kind of push from God to get going uh, it just never sat right with me that they got all the nice things to help them with their faith and then we just have zero things to go off of um, you have Pastor Rob. Yeah, you have a guy, you have a carpeted gym and a guy yeah. named Steve. Uh, so there's that. And the story itself, yeah, it's, it's one of the the amount of times it was either put performed as a sketch or talked about in like children's church too many times to count. But um, yeah, I, I just think this, I, I can't believe I misremembered the salt. I swear there was a part where they rename him. So yeah. Uh, this is like the original Kanye coming to Christ kind of thing. It's like the, the local celebrity, the the bad boy of yep. pop culture <laughs> comes to Christ. <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> so what what's going on in your world though, Evan? What's what's cracking and what's popping? What do you um got yeah, uh not a heck of a whole lot. Um I went and saw an improv show last night uh here in oh. Philadelphia. It was great. Um two students from Rowan University performed in it. Um so it was it was fun. It was over at the comedy sports here in Philly. Um and that was a good time. So nice. um what about yourself? Uh, uh, mine's mine's short and sweet. Short and sweet. I've have barely done anything. Um the last I watched the Tetris movie. How was that? If I'm gonna be perfectly honest, not that great. I didn't think it was I think it deserved the hype. I don't know. I think it got a pretty good rating and I felt like I could be dead wrong. But to me, it was way too much. They tried to cram so much of the story and I think the like some of the precursor to the Tetris game into like an hour and whatever, fifty minutes. It just felt mm-hmm. like boom, 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 boom. And I didn't get to know anybody. Uh, I could just be an idiot. Maybe I can't keep up with movies, but, <laughs> but That's fair. me and my wife were just like, wow, this is like, we can't keep up. This story is, and not in like an inception way, like what? It's so crazy. Just more like, wow, there's a whole lot of people talking. Just lots of, it was like Gilmore Girls, <laughs> just like constant talking. Uh, but it was kind of fun. I didn't realize there was so much drama with Tetris. Um, I do remember the Russian the government. Yeah, I do. I, that that is what like piqued my interest about the Texas yeah. movie when it got announced. Was I do know that there was like a shit ton of drama with uh, getting the because it's a Soviet game. It's a Russian yeah. game. Yeah, so. they were fighting to get it prepackaged with the uh, the Game Boy getting released, and there's all this yeah. drama of uh, yeah getting the U.S. and Russian government involved. But it was pretty good. I wouldn't say don't watch it, but Certainly not like when I'm going to be writing home to. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us. Uh, yeah, we, thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, please share, uh, subscribe. Uh, we really uh, enjoy uh, people listening to us. Um, if you have any thoughts, you can send them to unblessedpodcast at gmail.com. Is that still the email, Scott? Still is. Still is. Uh, maybe not later, so you just stay tuned. Um, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at UnblessedPod, uh, Instagram at UnblessedPod, TikTok at UnblessedPod, YouTube at UnblessedPod, um, and be on the lookout for the next time we stream any Christian video games because that's going to be coming down the line uh, soon. Um, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your day and listening to us. Uh, my name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close your Bible.